you know, we had our downloads growing, but we, we didn't know where they were coming from or why or how to find more of those people. Welcome to Tech Talks, the podcast brought to you by Nash Squared and hosted by myself, David Savage, that's been bringing you the latest thinking from technology leaders for over eight years. Joining me on the show today, we've got a lovely panel. We've got Keish and Amber. How are you both? Very cold, Dave. Very Being cold. affected by ad- adverse weather. I, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm cold from the weather, but I've had actually no dramas getting in. Like, I'm very surprised. And you live out in the sticks, relatively speaking, right? Yeah, I know. Literally, I got to the train station this morning, so I drove my car, which was probably the most difficult part of my whole journey. But besides that, I had no dramas. Like, all my trains were actually quicker than usual for some reason. So maybe it should snow most days because, um, yeah. I wish I could say the same. Mm. <laughs> After having taken about three hours to do 35 miles. Yeah, not that's not ideal. No. But very beautiful out there. Um, and I said to, to my wife this morning, I was like, oh, I wonder what the odds are on a white Christmas then. And she went, yeah, very long because apparently it's going to get warmer and wet and be shit. So like, yay, enjoy the snow. Oh, good, good. Festive spirit for everyone. Yeah. Do you know what? I love it when it's snowing and I love that like freshly settled snow. It's when it turns to like the sludge and the black ice. That's when, nah. I hate the snow, personally. But, you know, shit, I think it's crap. And (laughs) everything everything gets disrupted. Can't do anything. (laughs) Can't drive. Got to drive at like a snail's pace. Like, oh, yeah, not not for me. Here we are, folks, uh, bringing you a unique British outlook mm. on the fact that we've got some about three <laughs> inches of snow and everything's crashed and uh yeah. isn't happy no. um, happy advent happy happy festive times miserable yeah <laughs> <laughs> right okay look on today's show we've got two interviews to bring you the first is with the chartable co-founder now product director at spotify we're going to be talking all about podcast analytics and then later on in the show we've got an interview from uh california with the ceo of envoy but we're going to talk all about podcast analytics in a minute uh we'll be right back today i'm joined by dave zorab uh dave you are the co-founder of chartable and you were the ceo until chartable was acquired by spotify at the beginning of this year and you're now the group product manager at spotify that's right thank you so much for having me on the show glad to be here yeah, thank you for giving up some time early in the morning. You're joining us from New York, so it's uh, what breakfast time ish. Breakfast time. Just had some oatmeal. The you know the, the dish is not here anymore. But yeah, <laughs> very healthy. I, yeah, putting me to shame. I had a sausage sandwich this morning. So yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, your your um your business is in the business of podcast analytics, which given that the whole world seems to be sharing Spotify wrapped and podcasters and artists alike are sharing their wrapped at the minute, it's it's a fortuitous time to be able to talk to you. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, I also was super pumped about wrapped. Uh, everybody, you know, it's a big day within Spotify, obviously. So on Wednesday, uh, everybody was sharing it out uh, internally and talking about, you know, their top artists, top podcasts, etc. Um, but yeah, we stumbled into this uh, weird, wonderful world of podcast analytics almost five years ago, and mm-hmm. uh, still here, still loving it. <laughs> How did you stumble into that? Let, let's kind of go back a little bit and set some context, because I think this could be interesting. Yeah. Um, we So I, I started Chartable with a co-founder, um, this guy, Harish Adderwal, who I worked with uh, at the last uh, real job I had, uh, which was at AngelList, a uh, startup uh, recruiting and investing platform. Uh, we worked together in New York and uh, worked at Angelus for a couple of years, did some great work together, ended up uh, quitting without any real idea of what we wanted to do other than start something new. And um, we basically made a list of stuff we thought was interesting. Uh, podcasts were near the top of the list. We ended up going down a different rabbit hole at first, uh, building some customer service survey software, which was not very good and impossible to sell. And so we did the classic pivot and thought, okay, wait, we got we to gotta start over. Um, and uh, we said, what do we care about? What do we like? Podcasting was at the top. And we said, why don't we try to make a podcast and see how it goes? Uh, and so we uh, both have been members of this online startup community called Hacker News, uh, which is like affiliated with the uh, incubator Y Combinator. Um, and I think we've both been on it for, at this point, 15 plus years. Harish's uh, last startup that he founded uh, went through Y Combinator back in like 2007 or something. Um, so uh, 
we thought, okay, well, what if we create a podcast that sort of summarizes what's going on in this community, you know, the top stories, uh, you know, we could summarize some comments and we'll just see how it goes. Uh, and it worked. It took off. Uh, you know, we, we made a landing page, collected, you know, a bunch of email signups and then bought some mics over the weekend uh, and decided to, you know, on a Monday, record our first episode and put it out in the world. Uh, and, you know, that day we had, uh, we posted the the show to, you know, the community, Hacker News, and uh, had a couple thousand downloads uh, that first day. Um, and we started doing it every day. And uh, that, you know, we ended up with 5,000 downloads a day by the end of the first week. And it was kind of off to the races, like learning about production, learning about distribution, trying to find audience, trying to figure out, you know, what it means to do a podcast. And, uh, you know, honestly, we were surprised, sort of shocked by the lack of analytics uh, data available to creators. Uh, you know, this is like early 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, it's gotten a little bit better, uh, partly due to me and partly due to the industry pushing forward. And Spotify's offered a lot since then. But, yep. uh, you know, it's still... Uh, the fundamental problem is podcasting is a special medium for a lot of reasons. Uh, mm -hmm. A, because it's awesome and long form and intimate and uh, it's right in your ears and there's all the standard podcast cliches. Humans are storytellers and we become friends with the hosts, all these things. Uh, but also that uh, it's this funny medium where you really don't know that much about who's listening. And we were, in, we found ourselves in the position of, you know, we had our downloads growing, but we we didn't know where they were coming from and, and, mm -hmm. or why or how to find more of those people. And so that um, just sent us off uh, through a process, you know, multi-year process of discovery and building and that work is ongoing. <laughs> so here's a question. How did you work out what podcast creators cared about in terms of understanding their audience. And I'll put some context around this. I'll yeah. lift the veil slightly. I had an email today from one of my colleagues going, how many listeners have we got in the Netherlands? I've had a look at Spotify Wrapped. You said that the Netherlands is fourth on your list. I couldn't actually tell him. Because <laughs> I won't name the... the we, don't, we don't host the podcast, obviously, on Spotify. But Spotify yeah. is one of the main channels. We, yep. have, a, we have a podcast hosting platform. I had a look into the details for the last 12 months to have a look at what countries they listed as the top five countries. And the top five countries, according to them, are different to the top five countries, according to Spotify. And then you kind of try and dive down. It's like, oh, hang on a minute. Why don't these match? And they should match because Spotify is about 50% of our audience, right? And this is odd. I mean, it's not even that they don't match. It's wildly different. But then I was kind of thinking, but at the same time, it doesn't really matter. What I need to be able to tell people is that we've got a lot of listeners in the UK, a lot of listeners in the US, and it's global. And beyond that, it doesn't doesn't really matter. So it, for me, it's about telling a narrative to an external audience about the trends. Yep. But other people do want some of that granular detail. So back to the original question, how do you decide what matters to creators? I think it's a really good question and something that we are still figuring out uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, I think we're... we're I came from and where Harish came from, like we're, we're data nerds, right? We're startup guys. We built startups and other platforms like elsewhere on the web or on, you know, the Apple app store, which is where I, I did my first startup. Um, you get a lot of data, uh, you know, a lot about who's installing your app or who's visiting your website. Uh, the technology is much more kind of like standardized and, and it's kind of taken for granted, honestly, at this point, especially now in 2022, it's like, of course, you know who your website visitors are and like where they're coming from and like which social platform they click the link from and all that stuff. None of that stuff existed for podcasters. And so part of it was stuff that we felt ourselves as creators thinking like, oh, like we got an extra 500 downloads today. And are those people going to stick around or where did they come from? How do we, we ended up like, this is like, a little in the weeds, but we ended up figuring out, okay, uh, you know, on week two, we started getting a lot more listeners from Pocket Cast, which is like an <clears> independent uh, podcast app, which like globally represents like a small percentage of podcast listening. But all of a sudden it grew to be like 25%, a third of our listeners. And we're like, what is going on there? That's so weird. Why are so many Pocket Cast listeners listening to the show? And it turns out uh, the app was paid at the time. It was like five bucks. So I was like, I'm just going to buy the app. See what see what's happening, uh, and I opened it up, and there we were on the you know top trending chart within the app. We were like number eight or something, and that was driving all kinds of listeners to our show. And I thought like, why didn't I know about this? And like, how do I do this more? You know, it's like this is just like 
one example of the kind of like mystery of podcasting. It's not like posting to Instagram where you you post something and you like see who likes it and all the likes pour in immediately. It's like you post something and you get some downloads, but the actual kind of reactions and engagement happens over time. And it's much mm-hmm. less, uh, you don't get the same dopamine hit for sure that you do from like other forms of social media. Uh, so yeah, we, we felt the pain ourselves. And then um, we also, uh, when I say we felt on the rabbit hole, we spent tons of time interviewing listeners. We interviewed creators of all sizes. We found folks, uh, you know, indies who have been, you know, just started the show or have been doing it for a while. Uh, but not professionally. We happened to start the first version of Chartable, start coding it in June of 2018. The following month, Podcast Movement, which is like the big US industry conference, was in Philadelphia. Uh, so like a month into you know, starting the website, we like took the train down to Philly and tried to get meetings with as many people as we could. You know, it was a, it was a process of discovery and research and just trying to like understand, right? And my instinct was as a data nerd, like, oh, we're just going to throw all this data in front of everyone and they're going to be so happy and pay us tons of money. And that's not really right. Like there's some data that's less relevant. Like you said, there's there's trends and actionable things you want to be able to pull out of the data. I would say we still over-index on just like throwing like gigantic tables of numbers at people. But now that we're at Spotify, we have uh, the privilege of working with really, really good designers and researchers and writers who are going to help us clean up and focus and make sure that every number we put in front of someone makes sense and um, is not just some kind of like vanity metric or, uh, you know, it's not actionable, but can can be used to grow your show, build a better business, that sort of mm. thing. Now, look, part of what we wanted to talk about was helping creators, maybe looking at advertisements, looking at how they can kind of partner and undoubtedly stats help them do that. It's great to hear how you kind of talk there about not vanity metrics but at the same time one of the one of the problems perhaps is trusting some of the metrics and again if i if i if i kind of go into some real world data here i trust spotify can tell me how many subscribers followers i have that's a fairly easy metric yeah however again on our hosting platform i'm going to keep the hosting platform nameless at the minute and i'm going to separate it a little bit so spotify don't get irked by this line of questioning but i think it's relevant If I go on if I go on the hosting platform, right, and I and I look at locations for the last seven days, here are some live stats. London is the third highest city on that list. The highest city on that list, um, with one thousand two hundred and five plays apparently, is Ibiza Town. Now I do really? not believe that we've had over a thousand streams this week in Ibiza. Is that that's this is from your hosting platform, not from Spotify. This is from our hosting platform, absolutely. Okay, yeah. I'm not so, going. I'm not going to run in. I'm not going to run into uh, to, into trouble here with Spotify. But it, it is a okay. broader question of it's sometimes you get these stats and you go, yeah. Hang on, that doesn't make any sense. So if if you if you're if you're working with external partners, and you're looking to get advertisers. How can podcasters? How can creators trust that some of those metrics and data they're getting is correct? Because it, it would seem sometimes to throw up some very random stuff that doesn't make sense. I think it's a really good question, and I think it, it points again to kind of like the the specialness of podcasting. Uh, you know, podcasting is delivered primarily over RSS, which is a piece of a format of technology from 2002, 20 years <laughs> old at this point, uh, almost able to to drink alcohol in the U.S. and uh, it's uh, hasn't changed all that much. The delivery method hasn't changed all that much, and. Uh, there's very limited data available to hosting platforms um, about who is downloading the show. Now, Spotify is in a different place. Spotify, when you listen to something on Spotify, you're logged in. Uh, they have, you know, uh, you know, some personal information about you. We don't give that personal information directly to podcasters, just to be clear. But we are able to uh, understand a little bit more about what's going on with somebody's audience. Spotify is mm-hmm. a platform that can tell a podcaster... Um, hey, here's the kind of like age breakdown or gender breakdown or location breakdown of, of folks who are streaming your show on Spotify. And because it's all contained within Spotify, like those numbers are different than this kind of like open RSS-based number. The open RSS ecosystem, it's wonderful. It's helped make podcasting what it is. It's what allowed Chartable to exist in the first place. Like we were able to insert ourselves into RSS feeds and, and help creators get more data. But it's also limited by... Uh, the kind of information that we have 
at the time of download, and we don't have cookies. Uh, we just have IP address and user agent, which is wonderful. It's better than nothing. But uh, but yeah, it leads to this uh, confusion both for the creator and also for any partners like advertisers. And it's 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 a challenge for the industry and something that we're we're actively working on to try to simplify. So what what's what's the way forward for the creator? Because Spotify is really important to me in terms of being able to demonstrate the reach of the podcast. But I don't want to ignore the fact that it probably gets quite a few plays on Apple and whatever else and other sources. Yes. So when you're giving those stats, you don't want to go just for Spotify because it's ignoring some of your audience. And I totally get that what you're saying is Spotify, because people are logged in, can give you slightly more accurate data. So what would you suggest? If you're if you're a creator and you're you're talking to an advertiser, how do you differentiate what you should pull out and and the the route forward with that? It's kind of it's a really good question. It's really going to depend on like kind of what your goals are as a creator. Not everybody wants to like make ad money from their show. Uh, not everybody has like you know. For example, you 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 said that your show is like fifty percent Spotify, which I I assume that other fifty percent is like mostly Apple. It's a bit of a guess, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I would say go where the engaged audience is, right? And if you've got listeners on Apple, you certainly don't want to ignore them. The the big distinction that I would draw is that. Uh, listening on Spotify is uh, because it's streamed uh, a, a very different kind of listener engagement uh, than, you know, we all know that a lot of uh, podcasts are downloaded automatically. Some percentage of those are not listened to. And so I think um, one of the challenges for a podcaster is kind of acknowledging that when you're talking to partners, you don't want to like uh, pretend that like every single download is definitely listened to. Uh, but some of them definitely aren't. Uh, and, you know, the, the, if you look at like where the actual engagement is, um, I think for most creators, and especially over time, you know, what you've seen in the last two years is that uh, active listening is happening uh, on Spotify. And, you know, if you look at your stats and you find that it's on Apple too, you definitely don't want to ignore those people, right? But I would say go where the listeners are. Those are the folks that are going to drive results mm-hmm. for your partner, whether that's like running a podcast promotion or like swapping uh, swapping a promo with somebody to help grow your show, or if you're you've got a sponsorship and you're trying to drive like a website visit or something, um, people who listen are going to take action more than you know something that's just like downloaded and sitting on my phone. Now, I've thrown a couple of questions at you, and All right. I'm ju- I'm just one podcast editor creator. Yes. And I don't have to worry necessarily. I'm very lucky. I, I have a full-time salary, so I don't have to worry about advertisements and so on. So I'd be really interested to to ask you what questions you hear, broadly speaking, from the creator community. What what do they come to you and say, hey, Spotify Chartable, how can you help us with, with X? Yeah, well, uh, the number one uh, question we get uh, which has been true basically since we started the company and it continues to be true since we were acquired by Spotify is how do I grow my show? How do I get more listeners? And it's something that I've you know, personally faced when we were doing our own podcast, uh, which we had to dial back because uh, uh, I'm better at writing code uh, than uh, being on the mic, uh, even though you know I really enjoy this. Uh, I also <laughs> did uh, college radio uh, uh, and uh, you know broadcasting. I was a music director of my college radio station. But oh, you, yours um, sounds better than ours. Ours was about we had about five listeners who were all our mates, and the show was on from ten o'clock <laughs> in the evening to twelve o'clock. It was uh, all right. It was very silly, but uh, it was enjoyable. my my first show was three to six a.m. So uh, I had to put in my time. Yeah, they really they really made us put in our time, but it was worth it. I, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I had at least one listener. <laughs> um, I think a security guard would call in occasionally. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the question we always get is, how do I, how do I grow my show? And um, it makes sense because whether you're trying to make money or not, like why do we put this stuff out there? We want people to engage with it. We want to be heard. We want to get feedback. Um, and uh, that's what we, you know, especially since becoming part of Spotify, this is what we've really been focused on, helping folks understand and grow their audience. The, one of the biggest, I guess, two, two of the biggest things that we've done uh, as Chartable, we, we created uh, two marketing tools, one for uh, attributing listeners who come in after clicking a link to your podcast. So if you post it to Twitter or it's an email newsletter, we'll tell you if that person uh, actually ended up downloading your show. And then second, uh, if you run an audio promotion uh, or swap a pro- promo with somebody else, like, 
did any of those folks come over and listen to your show? And those tools, I think, are still really, really important. In fact, will be more important as we're integrating into uh, Megaphone and the rest of Spotify. Uh, because uh, if you want to grow, you have to figure out where your audience is and figure out which tactics are actually working to engage them. And, uh, you know, like I said uh, at the top of the show, I was sort of shocked coming into podcasting that this stuff didn't exist. And so we built it. And uh, we built it and we're still improving it. Um, it's uh, harder than it should be to find more audience. And I think, uh, you know, we at Chartable and at Spotify have a unique opportunity to help folks uh, maximize their reach. Uh, that said, I, I can't, uh, what I like to tell people when I, when I go to a conference or something is like, uh, it's really on you as a creator to make something awesome and worth listening to and have the persistence like you have to keep putting out content. Uh, you know, one of the, the hardest things, like, you know, we did a daily show just for like, I don't know, five weeks or six weeks. It's so hard. You know, it's so much work to put out something that's good and worth listening to. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the, I can't make that easier for you where I sit. Like, I'm, I'm a data nerd, right? Uh, but you as a creative person, as the creator, like have to, uh, you're going to invest and figure out like what connects with your audience. And uh, once you've got that, we're going to help you get more of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've got a number of different tactics and it'd be interesting to kind of share a little bit. Like, you know, we, we look at, yeah. a, at a private RSS feed for a, for an extra show that is subscription oh, cool. only, but that's, it's free, but we, you know, it allows us to understand who our audience is a little bit better by getting people to sign up for it. Yeah. Do you um, collect email addresses before yeah, they do Yeah. So, yeah, so we basically yeah, so kind have of have a better sense of who it is. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've basically gone with the idea that, um, we have an established audience now. We've been going for some time. Therefore, people who are really engaged might sign up for extra content. And anything that isn't like this, when we go to a conference and it's from the from the shop floor of a conference, we'll stick that on the additional channel, and maybe they'll tune in to hear this extra bonus stuff that's a little bit quirky and bit out of cool. bit out of sync. We also go to conferences, and that's a brilliant way of getting word out on the show. However, yesterday with Spotify Wrapped, and look, don't comment on this because I, I was quite proud. You might tell me that it's something not to be proud of, but it we, on our Wrapped it said top five percent of shared shows globally, and I thought well, that's pretty good. Um, that seems pretty good to me, man. Yeah, I, I was quite happy with that. And I actually, I, I really liked that because it was the idea that people are sharing your show. And, you know, like a lot of these things, I've, I've always thought organic, organic growth is people recommending shows to each other and saying, oh, this is worth listening to yes. or my friends being on this. Or we've always looked at guests being a big part of our, of our marketing because as each new person comes on the show, they share it to their audience and so on and so forth. So we've, we've got a, some ideas about what works, but you've, you've been on both sides. If you're talking to the creator community, what do you think is something, you know, there's no, there's no silver bullet here and it's different for every show, yes. but it's just some general ground rules that will help them get some traction. For sure. I would say the number one thing, uh, and I think that the kind of like common knowledge of this is increasing, I hope so, uh, is um, promoting on other podcasts. Um, and I think a guest strategy is sort of similar to this. Like a yep. lot of your guests may have their own shows or other channels. We, we love a swaps. Have. Yep. A swap is just wonderful. So like, even if you don't, you know, if you have budget, you can go buy some podcast ads and you probably should think about it. Even if you don't, find podcasters like in your uh, similar uh, genre or that might have an affinity for the content you're putting out and do a trade. Uh, it's really, really effective. It sounds dumb to say it out loud, but podcast listeners listen to podcasts. And so if they hear about another podcast they might like, they'll go check it out. Yep. And uh, we've got some like really exciting work uh, at Spotify, uh, we're hoping to roll out. Uh, I, I guess I probably shouldn't say soon because soon might imply something, but like uh, <laughs> it has been announced. Uh, it's a format called uh, Promo CTA Cards, where in addition to hearing uh, an ad for a show, you'll see something pop up within the app that'll make it easier to take an action, like follow uh, or or uh, check out an episode. Um, this was announced a while ago, uh, and uh, I'm super excited about it. And my team is like heavily involved in bringing this to uh, creators on Spotify. So I'm super, super pumped about that work. Uh, and I think it's uh, going to make a huge difference for creators. Because right now, if you think about the listener journey of, okay, I'm listening to Tech Talks. It's awesome. I hear about another show I might like. I have to pull up my phone. I have to... Uh, hopefully I can spell. Hopefully the show has a nice, easily spellable name. So I'm going to have to go search for it. And then 
uh, tap on, you know, follow or maybe try a sample of the trailer. It's like, you know, you think about all the different steps in this like marketing funnel. It's a long journey and we're trying to uh, shorten that journey. And then also, of course, because we're chartable, uh, give you data on like what's working so you can do it better. Yeah. Perfect. On that, on that spirit, I'll give a quick shout out to UnleashCast, the serial entrepreneur, Recruiting Futures and Chad and Cheese, all shows that we've collaborated with over the last year. Go have a look yes. at those. And there you go. Good this shows. is the strategy in action. Take, take <laughs> note, everyone. <laughs> yeah, other than that, I listen to a whole lot of... I, I, I also put up my own listening habits on my own personal Spotify wrapped uh, because it's mainly <laughs> football. And and if you've ever heard of a show called Love Island, that was number three on my list. All right. <laughs> I got Very a bit nice. of stick for that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> hey, it's good to listen to different types of shows. It's all research. Hey, look, it takes, yeah. you know, you, you got to, yeah, it's all research. We're just trying to understand exactly. what's out there. Um, I, I feel like I, uh, uh, I'm excited about Spotify's doing audiobooks now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still like early. I think, I think maybe we just launched in the UK, um, but it's been out in the US for a little bit. Uh, I've been re- really into audiobooks this year. I think maybe because I, I burned through a lot of um, the, uh, wonderful documentary pods that have uh, come out since I got super deep into podcasting. Uh, but, but yeah, there's, uh, there's just so much wonderful audio out there. Um, and, uh, something about audiobooks really been speaking to me. Uh, and so, yeah, it's exciting to, exciting to see that, uh, Spotify is working in that space too. Hopefully, uh, I'll find a way to, uh, help audiobook creators grow as well, but that's like, uh, you know, TBD. (laughs) Look, Dave, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for spending a bit of time with us this morning. Um, Have a lovely weekend, given it's Friday morning. Thank you. Uh, Thanks so much. Hope you have a great weekend and really appreciate you having me on the show. Thanks. So, guys, uh, when are we off to Philadelphia? Yeah, whatever you fancy. Podcast Movement Festival that he talks about in this. Um, I think we've got to go, right? (laughs) I'm I'm happy to if it's not snowing, mate. Yeah, let's put it that way. (laughs) You are really not happy about the snow. It's Uh, really not, is no, um, I think this is this is fascinating on on a number of different levels. Uh, I mean, at the end of the interview, there's there's a lovely how to on how to grow your podcast audience, which is quite useful. Um, but lots around the fact that basically back in 2018, fairly recent history, and even now to a certain degree, although Chartable have helped, and now obviously Chartable via Spotify, but. Dave was shocked at the lack of analytics available. You don't really know much about who's listening. You don't really know why your audience is growing. Um, Akish, you've, you've had a chance to listen to this. Any kind of particular thoughts when, when listening to what Dave had to say? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that it was 2018. Like, I just thought that's madness. And, and you say in history, I mean, it was four years ago, right? And you kind of think podcasts have been out for quite some time i remember when they first came out i mean i didn't really listen to it didn't know what they were um well ricky gervais kind of did it in the early noughties and they went away for a while so so it's not like they are yeah then you yeah. in terms of being hyper crazed in the last couple of years but yeah. actually they've been around for 20 years exactly and then the fact that you know if you 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 also look at any kind of like business right we speak to kind of tech startups founders technology leaders that sort of thing and their first kind of you know, approaches to have that customer first approach, right? And and to know who they're going out to, who are their masses, how are they kind of catering to them and, and what, you know, what do people like and what do people don't like? And the fact that you've got a podcast that you can put out, you could be putting out some real good stuff and, and sharing your opinions and views, but then you don't know who's listening to them. You don't know how that's going down, right? So it's just, yeah. for me, I was just like, bloody hell, man, like four years ago. So it's crazy. Um, but... You know, it's good to see that those sorts of analytics are now kind of coming in. They're now open to to use for people um, yeah. and, and kind of podcasts, um, founders or, or creators, um, whatever you want to class yourself as, Dave. Um, so, you know, from that side, I think it's good, man. But the whole Ibiza thing, I mean, I'm still suspect about that. <laughs> even more suspect after listening to dave when you realize oh hang on a minute yeah spotify can tell you because they've got people logged into the platform other platforms a bit harder oh yeah look, you two both listen to podcast i mean akish i know you do amber mm. you don't just appear on this i'm assuming i assume you listen to the odd show as well mm-hmm. what do you listen to? i do yeah of course i do oh okay outside of tech talks um <laughs> Uh, Look, let's be honest, I, I rarely listen to tech talk. I don't think listening to your own work <laughs> is where it's at. <laughs> uh, I cringe I listening to, to tech to. talks. 
Yeah, I know. You listen back, you think, oh, God, why did I say that? Um, let me get my thing up, actually. Oh, I tell you what, I listen to a few, like, really cheesy ones that are just about, like, people's general life. Like, um, like there's one like Sam and Billy who are, like, reality stars. I just listen to those guys. Just, like, right. it's nothing Are they only exciting. ways Essex? Yeah, Billy sounds like yeah. it's probably only ways Essex. It's just generally, like, what they're doing on their day-to-day lives, which is um, far more exciting than what it sounds. Um what else do I listen to outside of that? I used to listen to a lot of like, um, before I got my mortgage and stuff, I was listening to a lot of like mortgage podcasts. Those are really, they, I mean, again, don't sound that exciting, but um, it's actually quite handy at the time. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, a lot of them, I listen to the Diary of a CEO. I know some people love it, some people Steve, hate it, yeah, but Steve I, Bartlett. yeah, big fan of that. And then the high performance podcast as well. I listen to that. Very good. Very mm. good, that. That's, that's yeah. you shared that with me, yeah. Yes. All right, so here's a question good. for you both. Why do you listen to the shows you listen to? Uh, they are, they're probably, from a knowledge perspective, right? For me, I'm very much about picking up knowledge, tips, advice, not advice, yeah, advice, I guess, but just learning things without having to sit there and read mm. a book or do my own research, that sort of thing. I prefer... I prefer like this secondhand kind of knowledge just being dripped like into my mind and then I can pick and choose kind of what I want. And there's, and I don't know about Amber, but there's loads of times where I'm listening to a podcast and sometimes you, you let your mind drift and then they make a point. And you're like, oh, that was really good. And you kind of skip back and then you listen to like the last five minutes again, which I mean, you could call a waste of time. But if you're just sat on a train, then, mm. you know, it's, it's fine. So for me, it's that. And also it, it, it's about kind of, understanding and learning about people's opinions and mm-hmm. being okay with the fact that people have an opinions and, and, and what they can bring on the board. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably a bit old and sour, but I just can't sit there, listen to music all day because the same tracks keep coming up over and over again. It just does my head in. So mm. I'd rather listen to conversation, but I'm sure there's a demographic in IB for that. Don't agree with me because they've just <laughs> been listening to, uh, They've just been listening to Avicii or something for the last <laughs> 20 days, man. Um, well, I don't know. Mine is, mine is kind of that, but then I don't know. Like It depends what I'm listening to. Like a lot of my, I listen to for like, um, like motivation, like, do you know what I mean? It's in like, if I'm listening to like the Diary of CEO or the high performance one, it's like, want to like hear some good examples of people that have like, I don't know, turned their shit around or do you know what I mean? Or like done some good stuff. And then it kind of like, oh, that's, yeah, it's just quite like motivation to listen to, especially if I'm listening to it in the morning as well. Like it kind of just gets me set for the day. And then there's another element where like, if I'm listening to the super cheesy Sam and Billy podcast, as I mentioned before, I think it's just like a level of like escapism. Do you know what I mean? Like just... Like you put something on in the background if you're, I don't know, doing some work or do you know what I mean? Like you just have something on just to kind of like break the sort of the silence sometimes. And it's just sort of like you can tune in, you can dip in and out like Akish said when you want. But it's not like you've got to be like super, super focused just to sort of like follow it the whole way through. Um, so, yeah, like I say, it really comes down to what I'm watching, but it just sort of just to tune out a little bit. You see, I, I think there's, there's an interesting point here around if we're thinking about our audience. A lot of them are um, probably working in in the enterprise sector, we know for a fact from the Spotify stats that our Spotify audience is 30% under the age of 27, but 41% of them are between the age of 35 and 44. And increasingly, a lot of a lot of organisations are looking at, at podcasts as a way of doing kind of soft marketing. And it's really interesting to listen to why people listen to podcasts. And it's not, it's to find the stuff that they are already engaged with and I think I think um, Dave's story with Hacker News is a really interesting one like they didn't try and do a podcast for their company they did a podcast about a community that was already alive that they were already part of that there was already an audience there for I'm not surprised they're getting 5,000 downloads by the end of the week because they started talking to a community that was active that they'd been in for 15 years and I think that's that's a really interesting message that if you're tr- if you're a creator and you're trying to kind of put something out there that people will tap into, you could you could go right. We're a we're a mortgage provider. We'll we'll do a show all about our our mortgage package mortgage packages or whatever else. But people might not be particularly interested. But if you're already part of a particular community and you start talking about indirectly about that stuff, people are far more likely to tune in. So I, I think I think there's some lesson there about 
tapping into existing communities, tapping into what people want, instead of when you're trying to create a show, almost trying to create a market out of nothing, which is incredibly hard. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. And I think if you're a company and you just do a podcast just almost like for the sake of it it's just like you're jumping on the bandwagon a little bit because everyone else is and you think it's something you should be doing exactly exactly that and it's just like oh what this is another cool marketing tool like and it might just come across a bit um like a bit disingenuous do you know what i mean like like you said with that he's already got an audience he's already got a community there they obviously have similar interests there's already you know a level of conversation that's already happening and then if you just sort of like yeah. pluck a podcast out of thin air and just try to sort of bring some topics to the table that you're not maybe too bothered about you're just doing it from like a marketing perspective mm. I, yeah I, I don't know if it would would work but also would it go down as well like say would you have the listeners there like perhaps not so that is probably less likely to kind of take off Whereas, like you said, it's he's, he's, he's a prime example that it just works if you've got a community of follow, followers already. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that point, to be fair. I, and, and also, I think sometimes, right, people try doing that and it just de- decredits their product a bit more, in my opinion, anyway. Like, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I've seen, you know, <laughs> recruitment organisations or consultancies kind of do what Tech Talks is. Right, and I've seen it on LinkedIn. I've seen it in other things. It's just like, what, what are you, what are you trying to do, right? And and more often than not, like they probably take it a bit too seriously. Yeah, they take it a bit too seriously. Mm. They're trying to go after the same type of guest, but you know, we got Dave Savage. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, <laughs> some, some, oh, it's like, like honest, no, but honestly, it's just like it's done so badly. And I've listened to it, and I'm not going to mention any names. Um, because I'm, you know. I feel I feel quite nice this morning, but you know, like it's just some of it is just like, well, be quite unique because I do think with podcasts as well, it's very easy as a user or a subscriber or a listener to pick stuff up and then delete it because you can hold it in your kind of files and whatnot, right? And then if we're talking about stats and if we're talking about the whole thing of keeping people engaged and whatnot, you need to keep it relevant. You need to keep it, you know, kind of updated and then kind of see from there. So. Mm. That's what I think. I'm with you on that as well. I think if you just do like a a carbon copy of, you know, 10 podcasts that are already out there, like what makes Mm. you stand out? I mean, like you're just doing the exact same thing and it's just Mm. like another, you know, recruitment, like obviously golf recruitment, for example, another recruitment podcast just to add to the pile. Whereas if if you do Mm. something different or, um, you know, different guests, different topics, different types of conversation or just different like whole entire sort of feel to the podcast, like, you're going to stand mm. out and I think that's what it is mm. it's just yeah you've got to do something a bit you know like you said a bit a bit different a bit unique basically by the way there's there's a brilliant um career life lesson in there as well from Dave in in as much as he says you know his last real job five years ago before stumbling into analytics trying to make a podcast doing this all kind of back to front not really knowing what he's doing seems to have worked he's he's product director at, um at Spotify I'd say that's a real job um, and it's just another indication that sometimes um, just going after stuff that you're interested in and passionate about and giving it a go, not waiting on permission from anybody is a brilliant way to forge your career and and make a name for yourself. Yeah, it's not a bad bloody job, is it? Christ. That's... Not, not a real job, apparently. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know about that. But that's, um, yeah, that's worked out quite all right for my guess. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah, like you say, I think you've just got to find things that you're passionate about, haven't you? Because it just comes that back to that whole sort of like disingenuous and that like authenticity and stuff. Like if you just, I don't know, you put yourself forward for things that you just don't really care about, like nothing kind of creative or good's going to come from it because you're just not really that fast or you might be doing it a bit like half-assed. So yeah, yeah I mean, fair play to him. I think it's, um, in my eyes, it's a very good job and it's a very real job as well. Right, quick question before uh, we go to our advert break. Uh what makes an office environment that little bit special? Um, I've got so many things, Dave. Where do I live and start here? Honestly, what makes the office environment, uh, would you say, different? Extra. Special. Extra. Personality. Personality. Um, yeah. Ooh. Having um, and, 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 and also having the ability to express your personality. Um, and, and I think every office needs a mix of your introverts, your extroverts, you know, people that are able to be effective and add flavor and, and personality in their own way. Um, if you look at me and Amber, I mean, we work in the same team and we're very different as people, but very similar at the same time. Um, 
I walk around with a rose gold mic in my hand, blaring Christmas carols and singing in people's ears. And, you know, Amber's got this charismatic, you know, sort of swanning around approach where it's a bit quieter, but she's still kind of, you know, efficient in her job and still well respected by her peers. And, you know, I think it's, you, you need that as a mix. And and you, you also need bloody good people. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be around the bush. Like, idiots just don't work in having a good office environment. Yeah. I would agree with that. <laughs> I would agree with that. That's also the nicest thing he's ever said to me. Um, oh, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think you've got to have like a, I don't know, like a, like a safe space. Do you know what I mean? Like you said, then people can obviously like be and do what they want to do um, to an extent, obviously. Do you know what I mean? Like people obviously people still come here to work and stuff but um yeah it could be like a safe space and then oh yeah I think it's just the people isn't it it's just like good people like a good mix of people who obviously work well together but obviously still can enjoy each other's company and it's not sort of like super professional but then equally it's not sort of super like laddie and pally and you don't get any work done um coffee like you know a good amount of coffee to keep everyone fueled and then um yeah some a good it. amount of coffee. Good, good amount of coffee. I mean, I don't drink Two coffee cups, past like... Two cups, three cups? No, 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 no. I don't drink coffee past like, I don't know, like 10. So I'm I was going to say, I was going to say, what does she know about good coffee? I'm a, wa- <laughs> I'm a one cup of coffee sort of person. She, she has one um, in a day. Good coffee, good snacks. That's, that is, that and good people is pretty much oh, yeah. the perfect. And, 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 I, I'm loving the milk chocolate digestives. That's, and, that's well, I haven't had one this morning, but I'll have to. And, and also, if, if yeah. anyone from our group is listening, more meeting rooms, more desks as well, please, because it's carnage sometimes. I mean, you two don't have this mm. problem today. I'm working from home and you're in the office, but try getting a desk on a Thursday. I mean, you know, you're, you're asking well, for something impossible. The reason why I asked this, stick with us after the uh, break. We're going to be interviewing Larry. He's the CEO of Envoy, based out in California, software business that's basically trying to fix all of these facets to make the office environment uh, a better experience for employees. So that's why you should stay tuned. Akish and Amber, thank you very much for your time. Here at Tech Talks, we're very lucky to have a lot of content and sometimes we're not entirely sure what to do with it. For example, when we go to a conference, we will quite regularly meet 15 or 20 people and not know how to get them all on the show. So we've created something new, Tech Talks Extra, for those snippets from conference floors or from one-off events that we don't quite know how to fit into your regular Tuesday show. Tech Talks Extra is free. It's on a private RSS, so you do need to sign up for it and subscribe. But as I say, it's free and all you need to do is hand over your email address and in return, we'll give you instructions of how to access all of that additional content. To get instructions and to sign up to the show so you can play it on Apple and Google podcast players, all you need to do is go to www.nashsquared.com forward slash the hyphen hub forward slash tech hyphen talks hyphen extra hyphen sign up hyphen form. Alternatively, have a look at the link in the show notes. Probably a bit of an easier way to do it. Don't miss out on all the bonus content that we've got from the likes of Web Summit, Unleash World, or from any internal events that we're running. The second part of today's show sees us talk to Larry. He's the CEO and founder of Envoy, a Californian-based company who are providing software to enhance the office experience, whether that's from security, the employee experience, booking meeting rooms, something that obviously came into sharp focus during the pandemic when people were locked out of offices, but equally then how to return safely. And as Larry talks about at one point, it was about keeping people as distant as possible. And now it's about bringing them back together. Today, I'm joined by Larry. Larry, you are CEO and founder of Envoy. And to be perfectly honest with everyone, this is the second attempt at this because you very kindly came into our office when you were in London. We did a recording and I listened back to it and thought, the quality's not great because my colleagues kept walking past the room. <laughs> so here we are again. <laughs> nice, nice. Cool. Well, thanks so much for having me. Like, uh, really, really happy to, to get to chat again. And I can give you stories about my, my, uh, my visit in, in London. It was great. <laughs> Exactly. Well, it was your first, not your first time in London, but your first time seeing your colleagues in London since before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So we opened up this office like about a year, year and a half ago. And uh, London was one of the first to kind of go back to workplaces and start like really 
uh, revaluing people being together and like kind of uh, bringing a little more purpose to their work. And, and it was, it was really cool to see uh, London as an innovator in that. So we opened up an office there. Um, like we basically had a whole bunch of people we've hired now we're up to like 20 something people in, in our, in our London office. And it's, it just keeps on expanding, but this is the first time I actually go visit them. And, um, and, it, I, I kind of was like, oh, hey, guys, like, sorry, sorry. I, I probably should have been here earlier, but like, you know, pandemic and all that. And they're like, no, 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 we get it. But um, no, so it's, it was really fun. And uh, yeah, it was great to also uh, catch up with you in person. I'm sure that they are likely to forgive the CEO uh, of the company <laughs> and not not be too <laughs> critical. No, look, joking aside, um, you're based out on the West Coast in the States. So good morning, first of all. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about Envoy and, and who Envoy are? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so we are based in San Francisco. We build products for companies that have people in them in the offices. Uh, we basically are helping with all sorts of uh, parts of returning to the workplace. And then once people are in the workplace, making it easy to do things like uh, finding desking, finding who's coming in on which days and with uh, which teams are going to be in. Uh, we also help with uh, with uh, meeting rooms. Uh, we we have this uh, product that we're the industry leader on it, which is around visitor management. So visitors are coming in. You want to not give them a terrible experience, given that like this is their first impression of your company. So we build all sorts of products around that, uh, around just like packages coming in. We're just trying to make the workplace a much better place, and uh, we're leveraging a lot of technology to deal with all the logistical things that are going on these days. How has that changed pre and post pandemic? Because a lot of those challenges existed before the pandemic, right? You know, you still wanted people to have a good experience. We still booked meeting rooms. A lot of companies had had a hot desking or a, or a, a kind of a, a some kind of a hybrid model for elements of their workforce. What have been the real differences? Yeah, I mean, so before the pandemic, like our core product was the visitor's product. It was around like, how do we create a great first impression for people coming in while dealing with a lot of the like security, compliance, all that kind of stuff that companies just have to deal with. So uh, we tried to make that a really great experience. And we've been at it since like 2013, um, like multiple fundraisings. I mean, it's, it's just like it has grown just insanity. But um, in the pandemic, you can imagine it's a little bit wild, right? Like, uh, uh, literally, governments were saying nobody's allowed in their office, and especially visitors. And and basically, what happened is that like the cities around the world would just start banning uh, any kind of office stuff because because uh, there's the pandemic and and virus, of course. So so what would happen is is we were like, oh no, what do we do? And uh, what we ended up doing is we built out uh, our whole suite around the employee experience and what we can do for employees as they return back. At the time, there was no vaccine or anything. So basically what we ended up doing is, is like, hey, um, people wanted so – some companies have to have people there to, to operate. So, for example, like warehouses, factories, that kind of stuff, They and who are a massive portion of our customers, these people need to go back because they need to operate the machinery. So uh, when they do that, they, are, they need to attest that, hey, I'm not sick. I haven't been near someone that's sick. Um, I, uh, and then they also want to keep track of who's there in case there's a breakout, they know all the people that could be infected. So what, what started, and then we started building products like desking. Now at the time, desking was about, Hey, how do we keep people as far away from each other as possible? So they don't just infect each other. But, um, what kind of happened over time is it turned more into like, well, wait a second. Now they want to be together because there's a vaccine. There's all these boosters. There's all this stuff that makes it safer. Um, and, and now it's about how do we bring people together and on certain days and, and, and how do we make that experience easy and fun and something that like people can look forward to? Um, because that's, that's really, so that's just how our business has changed over time. It was something more focused around like the, the, Hey, how do we get visitors and how do we get like the company to really understand their brand? But now it's really about like, how do we just make a great experience for everyone inside the building? And this especially includes the employees. So even just like yesterday, we launched this whole everything on maps or, or what are we calling interactive maps. So it's basically... I've seen uh, this on LinkedIn, yeah. It's really cool. It's like you basically get to see everybody and where they sit. You can like see the live availability of the meeting rooms. There's you can see if you have a package waiting for you. You can it, when a visitor comes in, you literally get a little one on top of the, the or the visitor area, and then you can like tap on it, see the person's name and what they look like if you haven't met them. So yeah, we're really really excited about building all these just like experience focused things for the workplace because I think it's like companies have a little bit more work to do in terms of. Um, creating something differentiating and and a good reason why people should be going in. Um, and, uh, and I think it just makes their case way easier, just especially in these days. 
Look, you say they're kind of creating reasons for people to go in. I think that's a really interesting piece, right? Because there is no hard and fast rule of what hybrid looking should hybrid working should look like. Everyone is to an extent doing it differently. But there are certain themes, I guess, that, that run through all companies now that are, in terms of what they're looking to deliver for employees when they are in the office. And, and I suppose you must have some insights into what employers are looking to provide, what employees are looking for from those work environments to be interesting, to be the types of environments that they do want to make that, that extra commitment to commute into on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, come, okay, so people, okay, people like being around other people. It's as simple as that. Now, um, if you poll uh, anybody in a company, on average, the 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 reason they are at that company and that they enjoy their job and like the the why they like working at that place is because they like the people. So that is just like that's like a first principle. That's just a truth. It's a fact. It's kind of like what the world revolves around. People like being around other people. Um, in a world where everybody's working from home and everybody's isolated and everyone's away from each other, you get less of that, um, uh, just like a daily inherent uh, excitement about things. So this is why a lot of people are changing jobs. This is why a lot of people are giving up on their career. This is why there's all these problems right now. Um, it's just that people are not getting their fix, let's just say, of other people. Um, 76, we had this study that we did a, a few months back and it was like 76% of people said that being in the office is good for their mental, uh, well-being. And that is actually a real problem that, that people are finding now. It's, it's just kind of like they like the freedom and the flexibility and the like power of the people of staying at home and like not having to be forced into an office. But at the same time, there's just something about like, maybe they're not forcing you. Maybe they just want you to be around other people so you enjoy the job more and you're more likely to stay there. And, and that's really what we've noticed in our companies. So companies are, are they're like desperately trying to get people in and, and they're, they're not doing it to like, ah, I want to see those butts in those seats. Yes. Yes. Let's get your, the rest of your team in every single day. It's not like that. Literally what they're, they're trying to like give food. They're putting on these concerts for people. They're, they're trying to like give them really nice things at the office. These companies are trying to go above and beyond in a desperate attempt to get people in because they realize that this is really powerful for their business. The further people are, are just longer away from each other, the more these problems like we're seeing today are happening. These companies, here's the thing, companies way overhired and you're seeing this now as they all correct kind of their sizes. And, and they got excited and they believe that the truth of the world is like, oh yeah, we are growing exponentially and it's unstoppable and the revenues will never stop and this is great. But it's a little bit like, hey, maybe some of the other decisions in that period were a little bit extreme as well. Now, no one's saying that like, hey, everybody needs to be in five days a week or else all companies are going to fail. But I would say that people need to be in more than zero. And companies are just not good at, at, at creating an environment where people are good in, in a world of zero. There's some exception cases uh, that have existed long before even COVID, might I add. But um, the vast majority are best like you need to leverage the fact that people are going to want to be there for other people they're going to inherently feel better they're going to feel more empowered they're going to like the the things they're working on they're going to believe the mission vision purpose that is what work is all about it's not just about getting your paycheck it's not just about getting the results it's about enjoying the experience and having a great time with others in the process of doing the work as well <laughs> I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying humans are sociable um it's it's in our very nature to you know we we exist in 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 small groupings whether it's families friendship groups whatever else that gets replicated in the workplace absolutely totally agree that it's important for mental health for people to be around other people and and I think from a trust point of view that's important but it still doesn't solve the question of well what's the office for what's the purpose of the workplace right because it can't be as simple as just bring people together because that could be any workplace so what what are companies defining as the purpose of the working environment, the physical working environment now? I mean, it is about bringing people together, but maybe, okay, so that's the ends to the mean, or the means to the end. I, I would say that really the, the purpose of the workplace is to make it easy for people to collaborate in ways where they do not have to be intentional about it. So right now you have to do a Zoom call or a whatever call to get any kind of, uh, any kind of collaborative work done. People are really bad at calling it that they need to do a meeting now to solve this thing. 
There's an inherent stigma around, we all hate meetings, no meetings should exist, except for some reason, like, then they ask for a meeting afterwards because they need to talk about something. And it's like, that act of having to create a meeting to to solve any kind of problem is like, nobody wants to do that. And then it's like, well, there's so many problems and you can't just have any kind of small conversation now turns into a serious, well, there's a meeting and there needs to be an agenda. We need to find some time where it lines up with 20 other people. And now you're worried about inclusion of all these other people from all these other places. You got time zone concerns. It is that that world where you have to think about all those different things is so non-conducive to great creative, innovative work that that is the problem these companies have. Like, they are not able to be productive and effective if everybody has to go through this just mental burden every single time to just solve some random small thing when you could literally just walk over to somebody, ask them a quick thing, to ask them about their day, cheer them up, and then not only did you get your thing done, you now made somebody feel better. Uh, and also, as you're walking down the hallway, you've got all these like posters about like why the company's doing awesome things and why like you're changing the world. So you got a little bit of like motivation for the work you're doing. And it's just like, those are all the things companies are looking for. They want people to make it easier to, they want it to be easier to collaborate and to work with others and to enjoy it. And yeah, it's as simple as that. It's like mission, vision, purpose. Like that's, that's so important for companies uh, for differentiation and, and also just for creating a great environment where people want to be there. You mentioned a few minutes ago that you've done a report, the Workplace Trends Report. Um, So you're going to have some insight into, into the solutions, obviously, that, 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 um, that your clients are looking at with interest at the moment. And you you described very eloquently the, 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 the trend during the pandemic of keeping people separate and now trying to bring them back together. Um, if you look at your solutions in terms of security or space management or workplace health and safety or, or experience or compliance requirements, I appreciate to, to, to varying levels all of those are important but are you beginning to see certain trends in terms of what organizations are beginning to think about what's what's still important or what's important in a way that maybe it wasn't three years ago yeah i mean companies definitely technology is very important for companies now like the logistics of having people in is is very complicated it's much more complicated than before before you could just assume we're gonna have 100 people in this office and they're gonna be here every day and like if we have 150 we need a new office these days, it's more complicated. Like some people are in on Monday, some people are in on Wednesday, some people are in on Thursday. And then this team is having this big uh, uh, cross team meeting on, on Tuesday. So everyone's going to be in. So what's happening, the new trends that we're noticing is that because of the additional flexibility that people are still really pushing for right now, what's happening is that companies are still needing to organize around that. And, and that logistical overhead is really hard for companies and they do have to figure it out. And if they don't, use software for it. It's just too much manual work to organize it all. So I think some companies like just look at the environment, look at the economy, look at like just companies trying to cut back on every kind of cost so they can survive and and whatever's going on right now. Uh, These companies are looking to be efficient and they're looking to use the most of their space uh, and they want to be effective with it. And it's kind of like, hey, if you can get away with not having as many desks or that kind of thing, they're going to do it. But some companies are just like, hey, no, we just all want to be in. We want to make sure that we're in and we want to make sure that that like people are, are finding the value together. Is it fair to say that the pandemic has made them more responsible? Whereas they might have taken for granted everyone was going to be in the office prior to the pandemic. Now they have to be far more conscious about their space, about health and safety. Well, they were definitely less responsible in the like six or nine to 12 months ago. They were definitely less responsible. Um, uh, now it's kind of like back to like, well, wait a second, we do need proper onboarding programs. Wait a second. We do need to train all of our salespeople to do a really good job in, in how we get things out there. Um, like these are real points that a lot of companies just took for granted. It's like, look, all the revenues are up and that's great. But it's also like, you didn't do that. What did that is the market and, and the excess amount of money being thrown around at people. So now that like reality has hit, I actually see this world that we're in right now as like normal mode. Um, it's not even hard mode yet. Like, I think that, that that's going to go on th- over the next like few months to, to years. Um, but like, we need people to realize that you have to work for success and, and it just doesn't come to you because you made some good guess at one point and then it's done. So I, I do think that like uh, a lot of this, this full remote is very much in that category of like, guys, I well-intentioned, don't get me wrong, but also like we have to think about like, are people seeing long-term value in the employer they're at? Are they seeing efficiency and effectiveness? 
Uh, and are they seeing that like the business is doing well? Because a lot of businesses are not doing well, yet people are pretending that nothing has changed when it comes to like the core part of what makes a business run, which is how people work. So it's kind of like, hey, guys, like maybe there's something here around like the massive shift in how people work. And also the absolute disaster that is how companies are operating today. Let's not forget what has massively changed. And it's like, it's not, it's a non-zero thing, guys. Like, maybe like, look a little bit. So I don't know. There's lots of other factors too. Don't get me wrong. There's like all sorts of inflation stuff. There's all sorts of like just money being printed and sent to people uh, that's causing things too. Um, But uh, at the end of the day, I think that there's something glaringly different that companies are not changing fast enough. And this economy is paying with it, and it's going to keep going until people realize that they need to be together to believe in something bigger than themselves. Look, I want to appreciate you for spending time with me again. Um, if someone wants to find out about Envoy, it's envoy.com, envoy.com. Yes. Anything else Anything else that you'd suggest that they have a look at, or is that the best, the best source? I mean, yeah, that's the best source. Go there. Um, we have lots of great products that are designed to be very different from everything else. We try not to scare you on our website and we try to really make a great experience for everyone going into workplaces. I think that that's the big differentiator that's going to really uh, be big in the, in the future. People obviously want more uh, flexibility, more kind of involvement, more kind of say in how things go. And uh, this is the way that they can do it in a world where they're uh, together in, and, and building for something much bigger, much more longer term and exciting for the world. Look, Larry, it's it's brilliant to know that companies are thinking about these things and making sure that the continued experience of employees is improved. Thanks for your time today and have a lovely, lovely day, given what time it is over there. <laughs> nice, nice. Much appreciated. Thank you.